Amen. Thank you, Lord. There we go. What impact can we celebrate this amazing worship ministry of this house? Amen. Let's put our hands together. Now, can we celebrate everybody that's serving today? Come on. We got Josh here. We got Lainey there. We got Kenny there. Everybody that's serving. I can't quite see well there because of the lights, but let's appreciate them all. Amen. How many people are glad to be in church? If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. And uh, at the end of service, I normally hang out in the lobby. I'd love to greet your hand and um, hug your neck. <laughs> Amen. I always find it funny when people say that. <laughs> no, I'm saying it. <laughs> but we'd love to just celebrate you guys. We're so glad you came to Impact Church. Somebody say amen. So glad to see you. By the way, today is known as Pentecostal Sunday. So happy Pentecost, somebody. Amen. If you don't know what that is, well, Penta simply means 50. So it's 50 days after Passover. That's really what it is. People fear Pentecost. No, it's just 50. That's it. Amen. <laughs> it's seven weeks, so 49 days, and the day that comes right after seven weeks uh, is Pentecost. Amen. So glad to see you in the house of God. Hey, I want to take this moment and say congratulations to all our Impact 2019 graduates. If you are a graduate in the building, please stand up, please stand. If you just graduated, come on, hey, we got one over there. We got another one over there. Come on, yes. And God, I prophesy in Jesus' name next year, there's going to be 15 standing in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Hey, the I groups have begun. I want you to join a small group. So many amazing small groups. I think we have a few pictures. If we do, show them now. If we don't, forever hold your peace. A few pictures that Timmy put together. That's small groups. But I only see ladies. So, fellas, I need a few of you to start small groups up in this place. Any volunteers? There's no volunteers. All right, there we go. There we go. All right, so I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose you. Anthony wants to get married three months after. You're starting a small group. Anybody else? You got a small group already, Jeremy, because you know I was coming to you. <laughs> he was already nodding his head, like, I'm already, I'm already in one. You already have one. Who else? Uh, yeah, yeah, fellas. Danny, you got to start a business small group, brother. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Wonderful. Well, Impact, today is part two of our Leadership Shape series. Amen. Now, normally, I should have started teaching 10 minutes ago, but how many people know God preaches better than any preacher in the world? So we give room to his presence. So I'm going to try to do my best here with the remaining time that I have but today's a little different. Last week was a lot of teaching. We talked about strengths. This is a five-part message series, Leadership Shape. So the S stands for strengths. We tackled that last week. The principles of gifts gave you eight categories of gifts. How many people remember those? We said that we, ha we have builders, we have innovators, we have instructors, we have revolutionaries, we have caretakers, we have administrators, 
We have influencers and we have translators, amen? If you missed that, go back and listen to that message. You have to know your strength. You have to know your gift. If you don't know your strength, if you don't know your gift, you're gonna compare yourself with other people. You can't be an effective leader when you do that, amen? But the second thing is heart. The etch there stands for heart, and that's all about passion. That's what we're talking about today. Next week, we're talking about attitude, having a winning attitude. Then we're gonna talk about personality, and then we're gonna talk about experiences. Leveraging your experiences, positive or negative, to be used for leadership. Somebody say amen. One more time, somebody say amen. Now, heart is all about passion. So turn to your neighbor and just ask them, do you have some passion? Turn to the other neighbor and, and, and say it like they say, do you have el pasión? <laughs> you gotta do your hand like this when you say that. You have el pasión. Do you have passion? Because impact, let me just say it here right now. If you are gifted but you don't have passion, you're like a lion without teeth. That's, a, that's an African word. <laughs> if you're gifted but you don't have passion, you're like a lion without teeth. Let me say this to you, the people who make it in the world are not the most talented people. Talent is overrated. My son plays basketball, and I was talking to him the other day. I said, listen, son, the best basketball players are not even in the NBA. They play in a street corner somewhere. Talent is never enough. Somebody say amen. You need passion. You need fire. You need unquenchable passion. And life will bring you so many things to kill your passion, to destroy your passion to discourage you. Uh, I've been running with the Lord doing ministry for a long time and I can't, I can't tell you this enough, every week there's an opportunity to give up. Oh, hallelujah. But you've got to have a bulldog anointing. Yeah. Come on, can I hear a few men in this place go, hov, hov, hov. come on, come on, come on. Andrew, give me one, come on. <laughs> you've got to have a bulldog anointing. What does that mean? The bulldog is the only dog that has his nose on the forehead. All other dogs have their noses right in front of them. So when they bite you, they squish their nose and they can't breathe, so they have to let go. Woo. The bulldog has his nose here. So that bad boy can bite you and breathe at the same time. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> You've got to have a bulldog anointing where it doesn't matter how discouraged you are, you're still going. You're still fighting. You're still doing what you've got to do. There's passion. There's a hunger in there. Somebody say amen. amen. There are times I leave this place and I go home and I go to bed at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in anguish, man. There's stuff going on I don't even understand discouragement and heaviness. Talk to me, somebody. Now, the enemy wants you to label that thing depression. You're not depressed, that's an attack of the enemy. Somebody say amen. If you call it depression, it's gonna become depression. But everybody goes through those seasons 
where you're in, you're in anguish. I know you just went through that because you broke your leg. So all of a sudden, you're not running around here at Impact Church. You're on that couch, and it gets dark in the nighttime, and you wake up, and Pastor Zenzo is not there. Timmy is not there to sing you happy, and it's just you in the room, and discouragement comes in. But you've got to be a bulldog. You've got to go through that and say, I'm going to still push. I'm going to still continue going. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I, I'm, I'm in business with this. I release a bulldog anointing on you in the name of Jesus. Because some of you can only do one thing at a time. When you bite, when you work, you can't breathe. But God has given you grace to stand in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Well, discouragement will come, but you will press on in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. Listen, there are weeks, my wife and I, feels like there's a, dark cloud over us. Now we've got a happy marriage, but there are seasons. Somebody talk to me. There are seasons. There are seasons and there are seasons. And there are seasons and there are seasons. But we come in this place. We continue to work. We continue to believe God. Come on. We continue to pray. Come on. We continue to enjoy our marriage. Come on. If you're going to clap, do that well. We continue to press on. We continue to push. Somebody say amen. amen. Please don't ever think people like me just have it easy. The higher the levels, the greater the devils. That's why you've got to have a bulldog anointing. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you've got to have hunger. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I love this scripture because this is the message of Jesus. Known as the Beatitudes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's something about being poor in spirit. You see, in the world, everybody wants to be rich, but in the spirit, it's the opposite. You want to be poor, which means you have dependency on God. I am strong when I depend on him. In the world, we chase independence. Everybody wants to be independent. Everybody wants to be a self-made man. In the kingdom of God, the place of strength is a place of dependency. Hallelujah. That's when I'm strong. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Which means God will allow you to go through those seasons where you're mourning. Things are tough. You know why? Because God is trying to release some hunger in you. There's something about human nature. We get so comfortable so quickly. And so God allows you to go through seasons where you're mourning. So he can comfort you. The title of my message today is The Blessing of Hunger. The Blessing of Hunger. Hunger is a blessing. Hunger is a gift. Because those who have it are the ones who are going to come up on top. And there are many people who are talented. They stay comfortable. But it's those that are hungry. When we were being raised in the house of God, Anthony, I was not the smartest. I wasn't the quickest. 
But if there's one thing that Zenzo was known for was hunger for God. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm hungry for God more than anything else in this world. I pursue God. Teachers counted me out. They say this kid is crazy. My parents counted me out. They're so shocked. I'm a pastor. I, th I feel like every week they check in. Are you still a pastor? <laughs> but hunger for God is everything. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, I release that over you in the name of Jesus. A hunger for God. I release that over your children in the name of Jesus. You never get comfortable in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Then verse five, verse five, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Wow. Now, meekness, humility, and submission is a gift. Some have it, some don't have it. Some have it, and some don't have it. You know, when I came to this great nation, I left my parents, their pastors, and I came into this nation and I was introduced to so much. I'll never forget the first time I went on TV and I saw Jerry Springer. I said, oh, I've never seen that in my life before. I was just scrolling around. Fresh in America. Whoa! And if there was a time to be crazy, that was the time. But I tell you this, every time I had to make a decision, I, I would still call home and consult my parents and be under submission. You know, there are people who run away from that. There are people who run away from authority. And here's what happens. It says, blessed are the meek for they will what? Inherit the earth. You know what that is? Your days are long. Your years are full. Without this gift here, you can go have fun, but it's gonna catch up with you. Verse five, verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The blessing of hunger, the blessing of hunger. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Father, give me hunger. Paul, you can play. Father, give me more hunger for you today, I pray. Take a moment right here in this presence. Begin to ask him to increase your hunger for him. Your hunger for him. Your hunger for him. More than anything else in this world. More than anything else in this world. More than anything else in this world. Jesus, 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 increase our hunger. Increase our hunger. Increase our dependency on you. We worship you, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Please write this down. It's hunger, not just talent, that determines how far you go. It's hunger, not just talent, that determines how far you go. Let's read Exodus 33, verse 9 to 11. It says, And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. 
all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Somebody say face to face. I declare in the name of Jesus that you will hunger for God so much. You will come face to face every morning in his presence in the name of Jesus. It says, as a, as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp, he says this, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. It says Moses would leave the tabernacle, but Joshua would not depart. He would stay in there. That's why he became the next leader. He wasn't the next leader based on gift and talent. But the Bible says he would stay in the presence of God. I declare that God will raise a generation in the name of Jesus that knows how to wait in the presence of God. Somebody shout amen. He would wait in the presence of God. There's something powerful about hunger for God. My son plays basketball and uh, I grew up playing soccer because I'm from Africa. Where my Brazilian people at? Soccer. Right there, yeah. And so I taught him, son, I'm going to train you every week playing soccer and I'm not paying college tuition. You're going to college on a scholarship playing soccer. That's the vision. I told all my kids, I'm not paying college for you. You're African, you're going to go to college on a full scholarship as an athlete. Somebody shout amen. I'm serious about that. And so one day he came to me and he said, Dad, I quit playing soccer. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, Dad, I quit playing soccer. I'm picking up basketball. I said, man, come on. We're African people. We play soccer. We play soccer. Come on. We play soccer. That's what you're going to do. He said, Dad, with all due respect, man, you're African, but I'm American. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> that hurt. I'm looking at my brother here. <laughs> that hurt. I said, okay, son, but if you do that, I won't be able to help you. He said, Dad, I'm going to figure it out. And so he started playing basketball, and I thought this kid is going to fail. We're going to go back to f soccer. I saw him shoot. Bam! It went in. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, and the kid is so good. He has, he has such a work ethic. I release a work ethic in this place in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Let me give you a secret. When he said and done, it's not even about talent. It's just how much time you put in this thing. That's it. Man, he just, he shoots. The other night, he, he shot 13 three-point shots in a row into the night like wow this kid is good so he qualified for an AAU game and the first time they played this game it was in Arlington by the way he's, he was on a team in Arlington now Arlington is a suburb it's, it's beautiful it's ritzy it's, it's amazing nothing wrong with being ritzy I'm ritzy myself <laughs> just had to say that but, but he was playing with rich kids out there and he was playing the first game they had they were playing this team from the inner city 
and these kids were hungry. It looked like this is the only chance, or this was the only opportunity that these kids had, is that if they play basketball, that's how they're gonna make the, their way out of the, the inner city communities that they come from. I'm telling you, those kids were hungry. Now, I'm a good judge of talent. I believe, I may be biased, but I, I'm a good judge of talent, but I, I, I really believe my son was the most gifted on that floor. Just skill. But those other kids were more hungry. I saw these kids falling down, their faces on the ground. They would get up, they were crawling, they were jumping, their coaches were yelling at them. The Arlington coaches were sitting down, <laughs> just talking. Hey, Billy, Joe, how you doing? Those other coaches were shouting, yeah! You get up there, get your behinds it. And those kids are just, yes, yes, they're excited. They're getting yelled at, but they're excited. There was a hunger in there. And in that game, I, I, I sat there and watched my son play. He didn't even get a chance to shoot one ball to that basket. Those kids were grabbing. They were, and at the end, I said, son, what happened? He said, dad, those kids wanted it more. Those kids were hungry, dad. Those kids wanted it more. And I said, son, when he said and done, I want you to know this, that your talent and your gift can be your crutch. I said, son, I know you're gifted. It's effortless. You just get up and it's easy for you. But I want you to know this. Your gift and your talent can become a crutch. Just because you're good does not mean you don't have to be hungry. Because when he said and done, it's the most hungry one in the room that will stay standing when it's over. Somebody shout hallelujah. So it's hunger for God. Now I want to introduce you to something that I call the great dichotomy of hunger. The great dichotomy of hunger. This is introduced to us by David. When you read Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2, it says, Oh God, you're my God. It says, Earnestly will I seek you. And then David says, I thirst for you. And then he says, my whole being yearns for you in a dry and barren land where there's no water. That's desperation. And then verse two, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have found you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your glory and your power. I want you to see what's happening here. Verse two says, I have seen you, I have found you, I have beheld your power and your glory. So verse two introduces contentment to us. So David is saying, I found you, I've seen you, you've been good to me, I am content in you, I am satisfied by you. But then verse one, he says, I need you. I'm like, I'm like someone in the desert. I want you. Chapter 42, Psalm 42, he says, as the deer pants for the water, so does my soul long after you. So David has the ability to be satisfied in the Lord, but still be hungry at the same time. This is the great dichotomy that in Christ Jesus, you can be satisfied in Jesus but still be hungry for more. You can be satisfied in Jesus. God, I thank you for all you've done in my life. I'm content. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. You've done great things in my life, but I want more. 
as the deer pants for the waters so does my soul yearn for you I'm like a deer in the desert I still want more of you this is the great dichotomy Pastor Zenzo, what are you talking about? Every time I come in here, I'm thankful for God. These three and a half years have been incredible. Come on, somebody help me celebrate what the Lord has done in this place. Three and a half years of growth, three services, incredible stuff. But I am still hungry for more. God has not done everything he desires to do in this place. There's still more to come. So you can be content in Jesus. Because there's something powerful about contentment and satisfaction. Because it brings a grateful spirit. Ungrateful people don't have power for today. So you have to be content. But at the same time, there's something dangerous about the spirit of contentment. Because if you're content, it means you're done. This is where you stay. You're not going any further. So you have to be able to be content, but still be hungry at the same time. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is the secret of the kingdom. God, I thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this incredible church. Thank you for what you're doing here. This is not the work of man. This is your work. Switch. God, as the deer pants for the waters, would you do more at Impact Church? Would you raise up a generation that's hungry for you? God, would you get more people saved? Oh God, I earnestly seek you. God, with my whole being, I long for you. Would you move in our services? Would you heal many people? Would you touch many souls? Would you turn people around? Would you do more? Oh God, I cry out to you. As a deer pants for the waters, God, I need you. God, I am poor in spirit. I'm desperate without you. If you don't come, God, we're in trouble. If you don't show up, my family is in trouble. If you don't show up, Impact Church is in trouble. If you don't come, what are we going to do, God? God, we need you. God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my babies. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for three services. Thank you for the souls that have been saved. God, we are encouraged today and we are grateful for everything you've done. God, but we need more. God, would you heal more souls? God, would you change more people? God, would you do more things? God, we thank you. We celebrate everything you're doing in this place and we're so happy. We can be content and desperate at the same time. And here's the problem. There are people who subscribe to this and this is all they're about. And then there are people who build a kingdom on this, and this is all they're about. They talk about achievements from 20 years ago. Back in the days, we used to be. Back in the days, back in the days, back in the days. They pitch a tent. They call their ministry Back in the Days Ministries. Back in the days, back in the days. Somebody said this to me one time when I wrote a song called Love Lifted Me. He said, that song is so good, I don't think you ever write another better song in your life. You better just be thankful for that. I said, that's your confession, not mine. God, I thank you for love lifting me. It's incredible. But there's my worship to come. Come on, hallelujah. I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for something else. And then there are people who are always hungry for more. They live in the future, never in the present. 
because contentment makes you grateful of what God is doing in the present. So there are people who are miserable because they never reconcile with the present. The present is never good enough for them. And the present will never be good enough for them. Once they get here, they want that. They want that. They want that. And that's one of the definitions of depression. Their heart is never settled. And their heart is never grateful. But I can be grateful for His goodness and still expect more in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. My time is up. Please stand impact. Hallelujah.